to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris. You say it's your birthday. It's my birthday too, yeah. You say it's your birthday. We're going to have a good time. No, it's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. That's the best part of that song, dude. Just ring it. I would have pulled the guitar down to play along with that one. Right? Beatles. Hello, everyone. DM Dave, the Rock and Roll DM. Welcome back to another episode of Three Wise DMs. So, uh, <laughs> you say it's your birthday. Uh, this is kind of becoming our shtick now. I think we're going to become known in the in the community. So spread the word. Uh, we're the birthday game people because uh, we ran another one just uh, uh, at this point. It's probably like two, three weeks ago. But it was for Bonnie. So you guys know her as Little One. As uh, Mikros in the Dragonlands campaign, um, that's mainly who we've talked about in these things. Uh, she was Maud in the Call of Cthulhu campaign. I don't oh, know if we talked about that, but maybe one day we will. Uh, we'll revisit the horror of Call of Cthulhu. Uh, so we were talking about, because with this one, I built out a birthday game that took a lot of existing properties already and tried to mash them all together into one seamless adventure that we could do in one night, which, oh my God, we actually got through it. We So we were talking about like, let's say you want to run a really unique one shot, a really unique game for somebody, a birthday game. This is your gift to them. What do they like and how do you build something? What are some great takeaways that we've used uh, in our incessant birthday gaming that that is useful, that is helpful for you? So uh, I'll throw it out to you guys, and then when we come back around, we'll get into what exactly I did in, in this one. So to personalize that together, you have to look at other properties, other inspirations. When you're looking at what your friends like, odds are they aren't exclusively to Dungeons & Dragons. They could be from anywhere. Star Wars, the Transformers, He-Man, whatever property you, know, you, you have in mind, how are you going to stat that? And for me – the masters who did this back in the day were the writers of the Dungeons of Greyhawk because they took every property at the time that was nailed down and statted it comedically into a 12-level dungeon. And from there, that was kind of like the building blocks for me to do it myself. So if you're looking at something that stats don't exist, you know you have to ask yourself questions like, is it going to be exactly that? Are you going to do a parody of that? How close to the line are you going to walk uh, for that? Uh, for the continuity of your world and, you know, what kind of stats it's going to have. And you have to kind of apply something that exists or maybe it'll make something new depending upon how much you want to put into this. And maybe you want to throw in a little bit of lore, just like that, that last dash of spice to make it really feel like it's solid and it belongs there and has life. Tony, you, you're meaning the, the Castle Greyhawk uh, uh, module uh, that they was... released. Is that the one you're describing? Yeah, there, there, yeah. there is Castle Greyhawk, and beneath it has tw- the 12 levels beneath it. And yeah, you have Bugs Bunny in there. I've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, you know, like ever, anything like Mr. Spock was in there, Captain Kirk, like, but they all talk in different forms, and it was all very tongue-in-cheek, lighthearted, and you didn't take yourself too seriously, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, guys, check out uh, everyone out there. If you haven't already, there's a couple articles Tony wrote about 
Castle Greyhawk, both about the module and then how he ran it one for one shot. So, Chris. Yeah. No, and as yeah, as I say, I really I thought it was he had almost made it up, like and stuff like that. And his Captain Kirk voice was uh, legendary. And, uh, it will live forever from that session there, which was awesome. But almost as, as much as my Cajun dwarf. <laughs> yes, the Cajun. Dwarf. Well, that's more unique. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, I think with like any one of these things, like you kind of talked about Bonnie's game or any of the even, I mean, Castle Greyhawk, it, there's loosely a theme, but I think you need to have a theme, right? Like it, it always draws from that. You identify a couple things that they like, but then you have to find a way to your point to make it into a four hour, six hour session. That makes some level of sense, right? It's going to be somewhat whimsical and fantastical as you're bringing in other properties there, right? There's no way it's not. And usually you're going to be bringing in something a little bit quirky, right? For something like this, but there needs to be a good reason for them to get together, right? Like there needs to be a good adventure that kind of leads them through these properties. So I think it's, you know, there's a lot of selecting and making sure you got people statted out. There's like, there's an amazing amount of people that have gone out and statted things uh, out on the internet. So you can, especially for D and D and some of the base ripping things, you can find those, but it's having a good idea about what I want these couple things to do. That makes sense for whoever the party's going to be for this birthday. Game. Yeah. So just so like, so we can kind of jump off here uh, from this point. So I'll just briefly describe kind of what we did with this one and then we'll, we'll get into some others, but this was a perfect example. So, for Bonnie's birthday game, and this was the first one that that we've ever ran for her. Uh, so I wanted to really make it big because we've done a lot of birthday games up until this point, and you know, and hers had not happened. So I really wanted to blow something out. So I looked at several of the things that she was into, and I whittled it down out of all of the interests that are there. I whittled it down to something that I was like, okay, I can gamify this. So I took Doctor Who, I took She Hulk because the Hulk is her favorite. Uh, superhero. So I took She-Hulk, Doctor Who, and whales. Because if you know Bonnie, you know that she loves whales. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And literally, one of the most beautiful things about it was that because Doctor Who was already a Marvel property at one point, when Marvel was buying up or doing some, some work for other properties, there was an adventure out there, uh, some comic that where She-Hulk and Doctor Who met up. I forget which Doctor it was. I'd have to go back, but they were fighting the Death's Head. And I was like, oh, so this is already a this is already a known property. And I said, okay, I have the system, Marvel. We know Face Rip. We play it. It's easy. I know enough about Doctor Who, but then I had to go about trying to stat. And that's where things like the Facebook groups for the, the classic Marvel game and Marvel TSR of the 80s and 90s came in because – there's people out there that have statted everything. If they haven't already statted it online, they have it in their home game. And he sent me, okay, here's the doctor and here's the TARDIS. And I got the, you know. And so that, every that doctor point, out there probably. I just built it out. Kind of yeah. I built it out. I mean, you know, when you have uh, someone who wants to introduce something that is outlandish or doesn't exist within the realm, you know, you kind of have to find – I mean, in terms of flavor, like Chris was talking about, yeah, for face rip, like everything imaginable is statted out. D and D, it depends. You get a D and D right up of Doctor Who. Uh, I feel Not like unless that's... it was uh, those times when you were talking about when they literally got sued because they just started statting out everything, including <laughs> like Tolkien stuff and mythology like and all Cthulhu. This. Yeah. Cthulhu, but I mean, yeah. 
But like one of the selling points of, of the game is that, especially uh, Jen asked me this uh, back in the day, and she said, "Well, you know, like why do you? What is one of the things that you really like about it?" And uh, gaming, uh, particularly tabletop, and it's like, well, you could do anything. Well, you know, this is where we have to kind of do everything. So people have this in their imagination. They're inspired by a Thorian mythology or the, the uh, legends or Norse mythology. How can we insert these flavors, even if it's not like play by play exactly, like when Hawk got uh, had this sort of power forged? It really did, wasn't done in Eternia, uh, you know, and uh, with the magic of Zor. But you know, it was something no, that we made that, it. Uh, we made it ours. I I put it into the world of of, of Arborovia in a way that made some sense, right? Yeah. Now I want to see. I want to see Hawk call it down without the sword, since apparently it's just a conduit that helps to control the power. It doesn't end well. You do not want to see Hawk call the power down without the sword. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. No spoilers for the new one. I haven't seen the new Revelations yet, so don't. No, that wait. was in the that was in the original new one. Where yeah, okay. The, the, uh, first, uh, well, the first new. You know, okay, so I'll put this to Dave. A player has a thematic item like that, like the sort of power they want to introduce to the game, and you're, you're, you know, warm to the idea of introducing it. How do you go about allowing something like that to become a permanent uh, fixture in your world? Absolutely. I steal it. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> in, in all respects, no, because, I mean, obviously, I grew up with He-Man. I loved He-Man. We had... All the He-Man figures. I mean, Chris, you I got so jazzed because I was over the house the other day, and you have a damn Funko Pop of Merman. Like, yeah, how yeah, do they make yeah, Merman? Like and all the dudes, awesome. they make freaking Merman. All right, that's cool. Kevin Conroy voiced him in the new one, too. The oh, Batman yeah. voice. Yeah, dude, I had the we had the original stink ore that actually smelled, but it, all it did was smell like patchouli. So that just I don't I'm sorry, people. That's what it smelled like. But what I did actually, Tony, the first thing. So you came to me and you had already done the as we've talked about before. You you had done the Hulk Hogan thing, and we played into that hard, right? There's tons of episodes and articles all about how we brought WrestleMania to Barovia, and you fought the Macho Man who was actually the wolf, the werewolf, and all this. And you had kind of completed that arc, you know, you were like, I've kind of done everything. So you pivoted and brought me the idea of, well, you know, I've obviously done a thinly veiled Hulk Hogan. How about I do a completely thinly veiled He-Man? And I was like, all right. So I went online and I actually found, knowing what the sort of power kind of does already, I went and I found an article by the guys over at Nerdarchy. Uh, Nerdarchy.com, I think they are. They got a lot of great episodes and videos and articles and stuff and they had built out a sort of power so i looked at that and i started to cobble and i started to pull out i said well i don't like that but i want to do this and he wants to kind of turn into he-man so okay you know and then i attempted to uh build it and i reined it in because you originally wanted it to take your strength at some point all the way up to 30 and i was like well i you know i mean at some point i'm not ready for that yet you know so you know but yeah, I just I I kind of stole it. I started with stuff that was already there and then built something out of of that was ours, you know, that I then named to call a star, you know, the Dragons Union. I believe that was so. No, that, that was and that had that was very on brand and very flavorful for our world it was made by uh, the greatest Elden Smiths. Then we took it on this. Yeah, but we, we, that just didn't also just happen, too. We went on this great series of epic quests where we mm-hmm. found the swords, melted them down, forged them together using a great smith, and even a greater wizard then enchanted that and the belt. That, 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 didn't, that wasn't in an afternoon. That was like five months. 
And that's a good point, too, Tony, because we could have. I mean, that is a valid thing where you could have turned that into a special one shot or something, you know, where you have to, like, find the sort of power or retrieve it or forge it or whatever it might be and literally just look, Okay, what's the coolest things about the He-Man mythos and what can I pull up? Or even is there already an existing storyline that I can literally just say? Okay, yeah, I want to take this, this, and this, you know, like I did partly with when I introduced the Weeping Angels into the Doctor Who She-Hulk game. I just went right back to the the Don't Blink episode of Doctor Who. So no, and I think it's kind of cool too. It sort of ties into that, like that you could do it as a birthday game. It's a little bit. It's not necessarily like oh, he likes Doctor Who, but I want to turn into He Man. I don't necessarily want to play in. You know, we, he didn't want to encounter Skeletor and hang out with Stinkor or any of that <laughs> other stuff. But that was something that Tony really liked, right? So in a birthday game sense, you could give someone that. It doesn't have to be the whole property. If there's something about it that they really like, you can turn that. That's a good fuel for the theme for it. To your point is that now you have the theme for a whole one shot where it's either a series of mini quests to collect the stuff and get it forged, or you have to go on this grand quest to get it, you know, enchanted or fight a dragon to get it or whatever, where, you know, enter castle Grayskull and learn its mysteries or anything like that, you know, something like that. So Chris, that's, that's actually, a, that's a really good point because uh, as I was watching, I watched the first episode of revolutions masters of the universe thing and the whole beginning intro about attorney and all this, I was like, Oh shit, dude! I kind of, I kind of like it. This is just a campaign world. Like I, I'm just, I think I'm gonna build attorney. I like it. So, <laughs> like why not? And you could be like, you know, Stratos is there and all. You know. No, they did an interesting job with that. And you know, you don't have to limit that to a, even within fantasy. But if someone like within your group has a particular draw to something, you can make this fun. Like I ran a game of clue literally in dungeons and dragons for jen for her birthday where i created a murder mystery with rooms and clues i added suspects and i wanted that to be the whole like and and i know plenty of games have done a murder mystery but i intentionally made it have a feeling of clue because it's her favorite game so that that wanted to have the birthday magic for that tony Uh, i think that's important too is that you have like at both of these, there were handouts and things like that that helped to enhance the flavor of it, right? Like you you had things that were very clue-like that you were giving out to everybody. And same thing with the thing. There was the Doctor Who stuff, the Marvel things. Like it had a very – it, it added to the immersion when you're going into something like that where you're going to see all these different things. Because truthfully, I mean, I don't know a lot about Doctor Who. I love Clue. It's always been one of my favorite games, but I wasn't very familiar with Doctor Who. When he popped up, the figures, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I knew that Christopher Eccleston was the the doctor. I had seen plenty of the sci-fi commercials or whatever when they were on there. But uh, it was it's, it made it still like I felt like I was part of it there just with all the little bits. You had the TARDIS there, which was uh, was great. So the sound yeah, of TARDIS makes, sounds like it's broken, though. I got to say, as a, I'm more of like a Star Wars kind of uh, you know sound guy. Like the, so that's actually sounds like it's a little bit bad enough. That's actually that that's a running joke in the in the series, and they actually at one point uh, revealed in the newer series they revealed that it sounds that way because he's always in essence had the parking brake on, and he didn't realize it. Like it was kind of a joke as to why it sounds like it's wheezing, right? But that's a good point, though, because, as I said, I was running it in Marvel because I was planning on using Marvel characters. And like Chris, you said, I had the figures out and I had gotten figures for the Cybermen because it was an invasion of the Cybermen. That was kind of the the kickoff to it. 
But then I had gotten some of the WizKid, um, the the Hero Clicks. That's it, the Hero Clicks for the Marvel ones, and I thought that really added a whole a whole dimension to it to be able to see those characters on the uh, on the board. And then everyone kind of came dressed up as well with it, which was fun as well. That's just that's just kind of part of our overall when you're doing something special, make it kind of special in that way. But Tony, back to your point with the Clue game, which we've talked about before. So I ran this in Marvel. Because, one, I knew the system. I did it in Face Rip. I didn't do it in the new 616 system because I would have had to learn all of it past the play test that we'd done. And I would then have to teach all of it. And I already knew I had to teach about half the people the Face Rip system, and half of you already have played it. But that kind of worked for, for the most part, for a Doctor Who episode, you know, where he came upon the Marvel characters. For Clue, did you feel... That Now, we play 5e, but did you feel that 5e was the best system for it? And if you're going to be building a game out like this, like, what do you want to look for in the system? Because does that offer you what you what you need the most for Clue, let's say? Um, that's actually a really good point. Uh, that's why I'm glad that you chose Marvel for that game, because the central character, Bonnie, wanted to be her favorite character, the She-Hulk. Well, that's where, where where do you find the She-Hulk? You find her the in the Marvel system. The sensation. Oh, that's there's. <laughs> well, you find her in Marvel and in that world where she's statted and she can use her abilities rather than like making her. I mean, could you have made her a barbarian with a high strength and made her green and made her like a bear totem? Sure. What you had actually was more flavored, and I kind of yeah, like. Is that nearly as fun? No. Right. Because you're not like you don't have, you know, uh, she can't lift 80 tons worth of whatever you want in D&D. The strength does not work like that. Marvel, she could take a car and throw it over a building and it could land like a block and a half away. But uh, as far as the immersion goes, you just didn't get everybody to dress up. It's not like I had a human torch shirt on. Like everybody like went whole hog. I mean, really, everybody dressed up. And I don't, I don't do that. Like, that's not my bag. But I did it for, for Bonnie for her birthday. And, uh, yeah, like, I had a wig. I had dye in my beard. Like, we were all, like, you know, Jen looked like Jessica Jones. Uh, Chris did his hair up like Mr. Fantastic. Like, we, we really leaned into this hard, which I, I mean, think. I Scott showed up in some of his uh, World War II reenactment yeah. gear as, the, like, the original Captain America. Yeah, he's like, we was, like, first Avengers style. Yeah, but that's, yeah. That's yeah. Which was hot. Like, it really. Yeah, that's not something you can you can plan out that's having really awesome players who want to have a good time. You know, that's, that's on you guys. So that's- I will say if you are interested in going that way and take, throw the ball down, I'll say that for Super Bowl Sunday, throw the ball down the field uh, at something like that, then go for it. Cause it, it, it is definitely fun. Um, to answer your question about further with the system, if I had to choose my system, God help me for saying this. I'm going to say I would have ran this in the Call of Cthulhu system. I now, was thinking that. I was thinking that, actually. So, like, what was cool about D&D was I took all your favorite characters, and this is for her game, and she loves Princess Timber. So I wouldn't want to say, for your birthday, here's a strange character. Go solve a mystery. That's a completely different dynamic. But if you guys want to put, ten, you know – tension on players and it's scary and you're in a haunted house or there's a murderer and this murderer could come in here with a gun and shoot you and kill you then that's where you want to be like you're a hundred times more squishy 
if like we had solved the, the murder with Roderick and Sir Scar and Hawk and Timber and a guy walked in with a gun and said, ha, 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 uh, I'm going to get away, we would have laughed at his face. <laughs> I'm going to plug you, see? I'm going to plug you. All of a sudden, Jimmy Cagney walks in. I'm like, um, hold person? I don't, I don't Yeah, know. unless that gun does 400 points of damage a bullet, you're, you're yeah. a dead man. Like, yeah. Top of the world, Mom. Yeah. World. So Tony, that was a that's a good point with the so you use that because because of that because Jen had her favorite character her was up to this point her only D and D up to that point her only D and D character that she had done and she was super into that world and that character and all of that so you said okay I can build this out off of that and we've done that before and Chris you've done this several times now so. Like the person like you don't necessarily choose like what I was doing where I took different properties that Monty was into and I said, okay, I'm going to pull from this and pull from this and I'm going to create this weird lost episode of Doctor Who where the Marvel characters, the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and the She-Hulk show up to fight the invasion of the Cybermen being run by Annihilus of all people, you know, and the cosmic control rod, right? Because why not? And then also you show up in a whale because, you know, Marvel gives you space whales. So it's like already written. But, you know, so you're pulling and then you have to figure out a system. But for you, you have done it several times now where you built off of the favorite character the person has, whether it might be Hawk or or Felix or something like some of those things. How have you built that out going from like this is their favorite character? And then what do I do, especially with like. You were going off existing campaigns and story arcs that already were there. You have to be familiar with the lore. Like, there's some stuff that I'm with. I wasn't on the Woodstock one, so I can't really speak to that. But, I mean, and then you identify a lot. Like, we were talking with the Sword of Power. Like, I, uh, you know, Hawk wants something. Like, 31, he wants something powerful. He wants an item. He wants to go quest for something, right? Like, that Bloody other people kind of want something what? different like that. Ridiculous. So you're uh we did your, uh, it was a, it was like a birthday OSR game for you, Dave. Yeah. And I tried yeah. to pull in bits from all of our previous campaigns as Lord, because I know that you listen for that kind of stuff and that's sort of important to you. So it's like finding what they like about it. It doesn't, because your point, if you've played enough, it doesn't have to be other properties. You could, like right now we have a, a beautiful amount of systems, right? We have a, you know, Marvel, we have D&D, we have a bunch of campaigns in D&D. We have a Call of Cthulhu campaign that we have in the past. We've played other systems and they all kind of exist in our sort of multiverse there. So you can pull from those, especially if you're doing a birthday game for one of the characters from one of your existing campaigns, or they've been on a couple different campaigns. You can share a lot of that lore and stuff, just like a Doctor Who episode for them. It becomes, oh, hey, I was there. Oh, I remember that guy from that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember, oh, I remember that character I created a while back, right? I remember that fighter or whatever like that. So I think yeah, it's, for, it's, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be uh, something on TV or in books. It can be stuff that you guys have created already in the past that you maybe have shared. So it's a good way in a birthday game to kind of give them that level of stuff along with what the character likes. Some people like, you know, cool stuff. Some people like to hear cool history and lore you know, some people want more role play. So you kind of tune it based on that. I, you know, same thing with the system, right? Like it doesn't, I, I think the mystery game with Cthulhu would have been awesome, but it would have been a bigger lift. So it's based on your audience, right? The system, like you have to, there's a point at which you have to say, I'm going to do it here because this is going to be the best experience for everybody, 
right? It may be perfect Plus. here, but I, then I got to teach everybody that this system, I got to do all these other things, right? Like I think that's what I thought was good about using the Marvel system is that there was like what, at least three quarters of the room had some level of familiarity with it. So they're additional advocates and kind of be like, oh yeah, no, you do this, right? This is where you go to look for your initiative or something like that. So it helps with something like that, a birthday game when there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I had actually seated you guys in that way uh, to have like, okay, every other person knows the game. So they got people in their size that they could help and help, whatever, you know, and it all worked out. One point, Chris, uh, for your first point with our kind of our overarching multiverse that we have begun creating like for me that that lost episode of doctor who that i did for bonnie's birthday that exists in our earth six one shit with like yeah that more that big marvel campaign that you ran for us like we kind of build out our marvel universe and now we have begun placing things and now i drew it over to this so it's like there's all these kind of tenuous lines that offer the capability. But the second point I thought was was really good, and I think it's important, especially for something like this, if you are building a game as kind of a gift to a person, like this is for this person's birthday, or it's a special game for them. Everyone is playing, but that's the one day, especially if it's a birthday, that it's their day, it's their show. And really focus in on what do they like what does bonnie want what does jen want what does matt want what does chris tony dave what do they with scott what does he want right when we ran the first osr game scott's an original D player so we wanted to play the osr i said this is perfect let's just play the osr and have him return to having three hit points and a sword you know <laughs> the good old days <laughs> like, door could kill you it's like playing call of now but then the worst rogue ever yeah, and that's a great uh, – it's a great takeaway, too. And it actually bumps off uh, Tony's recent article uh, that talked about how to, like, how to really bring your character to life. And in a way, it was, like, part of – some of the tips were, like, learning how to be a team player and be part of the table because these two ones – Chris, you made the point – most of the people there did not know Doctor Who. Some of them had a cursory understanding of the Marvel Universe and probably mostly through the MCU, which is fine, right? But, like, it didn't matter. They were there to play and have fun for a birthday game. And the same when we ran the birthday game for Matt in the new Avatar Legends RPG for Magpie that we had talked about and, and done a couple articles on. No one knew Avatar except me, myself and Matt, and no one batted an eye. And that's a big part of it, too. Really focus on the person and have everyone understand that this is this is their game. This is their whatever birthday game, one shot, whatever it might be. As a nerd, I was a little embarrassed that I had such a lack of understanding of Avatar going into that. You don't have to worry, though, because the live action is coming out soon, man, and I am super right. jazzed. Hopefully they do it justice. I know, I know. It's going to be tough to replace that series. Like it's, Fingers it's crossed. Nostalgic. There's a lot of a lot of people in my constituency are like, I can't believe that you didn't – I've never watched this. And I'm like, I, it just didn't happen. I, I don't know why. Um, yeah, you nailed it. The question is, if you're doing a birthday game – what does that person want? So like there's categories. So for example, like with, we did Scott Washburn's uh, birthday game. It's the experience. We're going to take you back. You don't have a specific character who you really love. 
who you want to relive and experience with but it's really there's the environment so we went back to you know the the red box days where stuff's gritty and oh my god i have a paper cut and now i'm on the ground gasping for air because that's <laughs> now because i that's, have sewer play uh, you know uh yeah chris is wounded i want to perform first aid no you don't sorry <laughs> that's not an option i had like one hit point for like most of that entire session Right. And, and somehow survive. So and it, you know yeah. what? And at the time when I played Redbox, it was it was incredibly cool. But you know, as we're looking at it, it's like how I would look at like reading mythology now. Like I was reading Greek mythology today for the first time. Like I was busting Dave's chops during the Dragonlance game about like the mythology, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, if I read Greek mythology for the first time at my age, I'd be like, so Athena climbed out of her at a whose head? What? <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. No, that's canon. That is a canon event. You yeah. can't escape it. Now, as a quick aside to that, Tony, just for the listeners, too, because I know a lot of them are into Dragonlance. So they got to the point where they started to see some of the insane Tinker Gnome stuff that Weiss and Hickman had placed into that world, like the self-propelled lunar extension ladder and things like this that are like so Dragonlance, but so like, what is happening? Like, this is this high fantasy good verse. And then all of a sudden you got this weird ass device thing. And it's so on point for Dragonlance, but it literally makes zero sense. And as a, as like an, an outsider to it, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? So how many miles high is this ladder and how low is this moon? And this is where my science brain kicks in. And what's the, what's the, you know, the, how many meters wide is this? Okay. I'll stop. Um, but for this platform, like we had just talked before the show, like what if Chris were to run a game for Christine? Well, okay, you know, now you could tie into things that, you know, she likes. You do the Call of Cthulhu and do that mystery and then tour, tie in those type of events, that real gritty feeling. And you could introduce, you could probably pull somebody who has not played games or not like super, they don't have that to draw from, but like maybe that would be a good way to introduce them to it. One of the favorite birthday games I had from like back in the day, like not recent ones, which were awesome, but if like I was going to go deep in the past, uh, I played a vampire uh, in the Palladium system, and, which is... Um, which was also slash riffs, and he he was basically a soul devouring vampire. Uh, he didn't start out very powerful, but he kept knocking off other vampires, eating their souls, and stealing their powers. And I eventually, in this birthday game, came across an Egyptian vampire who had the powers over fire. And he was more powerful than me, but I outwitted him, defeated him, crunched on his soul, and then enjoy you know stole that power for myself. And I look back at that and go, wow, that was really freaking neat. Uh, and it, and it's time. Highlander. But yet, like, who, okay, ran, who ran that game, Tony? Uh, Jeremy. Uh, you never played with him as a DM. Yeah. Uh, and again, system you guys never played, and I promised, I told you one day we'd play a Palladium system, and if you've got five hours, we can make a character sheet. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was a. We were kind of so. Let, let's break that out a little more because people were not in our pre-roll convo here. But Chris, you brought up the point, like Christina, right? Your yeah. wife. What if who? I mean, I would I would fall over dead if she was like, yeah, let me play a, a role playing game. <laughs> she, she does not. She does not like to play. Right, but so. let's let's just say, like, for, for an example, just yeah. so we can kind of see like how how the brainstorming begins to happen. Like, what would be some of the things you would look at? Like, what you know, system or or other properties or genres or things like that. Like, how would you go about, like, okay, I got to run this birthday game. Okay, what am I doing? You know, who's there? Blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, first you're looking for stuff that she likes. She's really into horror novels and movies, cooking, stuff like that. So you start to identify some things. So, okay, we could do like a like a Call of Cthulhu system. The worry I would have with Call of Cthulhu would be the difficulty. So I probably waver between that and 5e because I actually have had her at the table for 5e for short periods where she just got uh, disinterested and walked away. So she is mildly more familiar with that so it kind of eases in there but then i think there is a big part about these birthday games we're talking obviously about the you know what's happening at the table and the action but there is a degree of organization and getting it together identifying the friends that you want to setting a date without the person knowing doing all these things making sure that you have things scheduled out you have a place you have all the stuff that you need related to that place especially tabletop now because we've gotten a little bit more uh mature in our tabletop play right so there's always going to be terrain in addition to working the thing because it's a birthday game because it has that special flavor so there's going to be a portion where you're going to have to i mean you don't have to manage it through but there's a portion of it that you have to make sure that it's organized so that you can actually get to the part that what we're talking about where you're playing at the table and you're introducing these different properties and, you know, and systems. Yeah. Not everybody ironically uh, is into magic, which is why like, you know, maybe 5e didn't click for Christine, but Cole Cthulhu might be more powerful. It's if you're not familiar with that, that could turn you off, but now you have real world events that you have real familiarity with you. You can sink your teeth into. So, I mean, as much as I am a really big, you know, uh, you know, fan of, of all the versions of D&D, that doesn't – isn't relatable for a new player as something like this, like, hey, you're in the 1920s. I mean, everybody knows the 1920s. There's gangsters, you know, there's speakeasies, there's Tommy guns, all that great shit. But, well, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about it. Your lift. I, yeah. You know, I recently got a bunch of Call of Cthulhu stuff, Humble Bundle. They have a great deal. I don't know if it's still out there, but I mean, I got like – it's like the entire Cthulhu catalog. And as I'm playing it, I think, you know, I'm like, oh, I think she could do this. But I think for her, it's just she doesn't like the game. But it's so goddamn deadly. Like, I played two soul <laughs> adventures and I died two times. Like, and, and it's you're, it's always like an epic death. But, I mean, you're as long as you're watching the world burn away or it's like being consumed by green mist. But it's just so deadly. So it would be a little bit weird. I think she could be into that. But I don't know. You know, there is a deadliness to the Cthulhu system that I, I worry about. But. I would I may try with that one just for the reason that you bring up is that it does have a kind of dark flavor to it. It is very role play and uh, descriptive and sort of textual. Right. And it's it's like investigative. It's those kind right. of things that her books are sort of about where they're traveling to a town that's sort of a historic place that something happened. People went missing or something like that. You don't have to try to sell her that she's in a tavern with elves and orcs, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's it, there is a stigma, and I think she's a still like she's a like you know from from that era she still has a bit of that stigma about D and D is for geeks you know well, I'm her lovable yeah, little weird thing. but it's yeah it's for it's well, what Chris I, likes I, to we do. all lived it you know if you want yeah, to play Dungeons no, and Dragons yeah, you needed three friends who keep secrets yeah it's a renaissance now I wear the shirt I'm just like yeah like yeah well, it's like big business now there so uh, yes, it, 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 it it definitely has changed in the. Uh, in the current zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> yes. 
Uh, but that is a good point too, Chris. The Call of Cthulhu system, like you would have to, like that's one of the things you would want to think, especially if it's if it's introducing somebody in their special <laughs> game or something, I'm because sorry, it would no. be like most novels are. Most people are not just reading Lovecraft where the guy's gone insane and someone else is narrating you the story. You know, they usually survive and they're the hero of, or in some fashion, or they at least get away. And it's like, oh yeah, no, you're not that person in this one. <laughs> no, but it's like when we did the OSR game, like you, you may die. Like so, there, there. That's something you have to balance with the birthday game vibe. It's like, yeah, the birthday character's gonna be the first one to go. So, but if, if he enjoys that, like that for them, I think that was part of what Scott was used to back in the day. So that for him was, you know, it was nothing different for him. For us, we come from a different, uh, you know. He completely he died twice in the game, and he loved every minute of. Well, it. it's realistic. <laughs> That's that's very specific to a certain type of player, right? Like, just, yes. that's happy birthday! There's an arrow in your eye. Yes. Well, I mean, ah, you, you, you know, you'd be a mercenary and go out there with chainmail and a sword, and like, oh, I'm gonna jump into a uh, a melee. I, that's the kind of like stuff that went down. I mean, like, how many people got to be in constant battles all the time and just walked away with scars and like, oh yeah. I'm a grizzled warrior. I was in 700 duels and I'm still alive. No, probably not. <laughs> You're like one half of 1% of uh, warriors then. All right. So it's probably about that time, though. So uh, for some final thoughts, if we are talking about getting a special, unique game, we're just going to call it a birthday game, but it could be a lot of reasons, as we kind of discussed. It could just be a very special one shot within your existing campaign. But final thoughts on... The top things that you want to be looking for if you're going to be building something like this out. So if I'm going to run a special game for somebody or I'm trying to introduce them using some type of special game to entice them to get them rolling, uh, dare I say, with RPGs tabletop, uh, I want to consider, and I'm going to steal Dave's point, but what is going to bring this person to the table? Like, what do they like? Uh, are they, they going to be there for, they need to be grounded in the current world because it's an easier lift for the imagination or are they here for fi- high fantasy? Are they like, I know, I've kind of had players who do not want to die. I mean, isn't that crazy? They, they, they're not interested in actual, yeah, Chris is like, please don't kill me. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> uh, like I'm in game 17 in Dragonlance. Don't kill my character off here. Uh, and I get that because I've been both sides of that table. So what in that respect is going to interest them? And then you kind of look at the system. Like, are they going to be high fantasy, uh, more realistic, uh, or are they looking to be searching for something of great power, fame? Is it their personal elements of their lives that they're going to enjoy and get to see those? Do they like pigs? Do they like whales? Can you just put those in as like little Easter eggs? Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, for Jen, I put in cats. Like, you know, like there'd be orange cats that she can come across throughout the game at different points, just as like a side note. And then finally, if you're going to do something that's that doesn't have existing stats, like what can you use off of stats that exist for an easier lift or did somebody else like homebrew that? And is it going to be really that thing? Is it going to be close to it? Are you changing some lore? It doesn't really matter as long as like it fits in the continuity and everybody has a good time. And I would say like, it's, if there's somebody that you game with, use what you have there. You can always like, I mean, even to the point of the, game that sort of spawned this episode it was existing characters with the fantastic four and the avengers and it was doctor who but it was also inside of our sort of earth 
six one shit universe, right? Like it was part of the multiverse that we're slowly creating with all these campaigns. So because Bonnie had been on a lot of these other campaigns, that's other things, places you can take it, things you can pull from to kind of help with the theme, right? Because it's like there's only you can pull all these crazy things together, right? And I can have all oh, there's explosions going on everywhere. But if it, is it a good fun theme? Then obviously your the birthday person is the most important, but people aren't going to have as much fun because they're not along with it. And I thought you had a good theme because it dropped everybody into a place where they were comfortable with. And then you started to introduce this lore, but it wasn't like I had to know everything about the, what are they, the Ultraman or whatever like that, the Cybermen before. Ultraman would be dangerous. Right? And then maybe as I start to hear bits around the table, then I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? And stuff like that. But was everything the body she could enjoy it but i could also interact with it too because i'm like all right i'm mr fantastic so i'm gonna try to disrupt their uh they're obviously getting signals from somewhere so i'm gonna try to disrupt them you know captain rogers so like that kind of thing so i think it's you know good to have a theme good to make sure that it's in a system that the people enjoy at the table because it's gonna be difficult obviously the birthday person but it's gonna be hard if you have to spend a whole lot of time going around the table it's gonna make it less fun for everybody if it's not a system that suits it well, and at least a decent amount of people are familiar with. I think we're all, our, our first top one is all the same, is that it's the birthday person. It's it's their game, whatever it might be. It's birthday game. It's a special one shot within your campaign that's focusing on them, whatever. We're just calling it the birthday person, but really focus in on them. Everyone else can be good players and good teammates and go along for the ride. And that has been written over and over again in all of our games. So all the ones I've I've ran up to this point were all, oh, I want to play this system. So we did the OSR for Scott, right? Because we had wanted to do the OSR. So this was a perfect time to do the time warp and say, hey, this is the way it was back in 73 when you were doing it at Penn State, right? And then with Matt's birthday game, I saw that they had released the starter set. It was in Target for the Avatar Legends. I had wanted to see what that system looked like. Matt and I are huge Avatar fans. It wrote itself, and I just went with the the starter adventure, which we discussed had its pros and cons to it. But, you know, so with this one, this is the first time that I'd really built out anything myself. And I started, I say, well, you know, She-Hulk is the first thing in my mind, you know, and then it kind of built from there. I looked at some of the old modules from the Marvel system. And then I was like, oh, well, there's Doctor Who. I could bring that in. And and literally it just started to evolve from there, but always focused in on what's going to be the most fun for the birthday person. So I that that's pretty much it. This has been great, guys. Great episode here. This is obviously our own topic uh but we are dms with problems and we love to help dms with problems so please reach out to us if you have any questions or if you run any birthday games yourself that you'd like to uh give us a a look at and um but you can find us at threewisedms.com uh you can enter any issues in you know the what's your problem field you can find us at threewisedms at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to us directly or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are active on all those channels and we're always, always looking to discuss more things that you're not going to find in the rule books. That's going to be it for this week. And as we do each episode, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out.
And thank you all for listening along to us. Hopefully you've been here with us for the whole year and more. If not, we hope you go back and check out the back catalog. If you like what you're hearing, please smash that five-star rating button. Leave us a good review. Tell your friends about Three Wise DMs. All that stuff has a big influence on helping us grow, and we appreciate any help you can give us. If you want to hear us talk about your problems, go ahead and send those in to threewisedms at gmail.com or go to our website, threewisedms.com. You can leave them in the what's your problem field. That's where we get the really the, the core questions for a lot of our episodes. And if you have things you'd like to hear us talk about, we would love to give you advice on those topics. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs.